No doubt you've been asked the question lately, are you ready for Christmas? Well, as I was thinking of all the things that maybe I wanted to do, I thought maybe there'd be some things I'm missing. So I did a little bit of a Google search for the ultimate Christmas checklist. Well, there are too many things on there. <laughs> so I went back to my own list to see how I was doing. Well, and sure enough, as things are getting closer, I'm crossing things off that I'm never going to get to. But the tree is up. Well, half up, half decorated. The bottom half is empty because of the puppy. The stockings are hanging. Well, half of them. <laughs> and uh, I thought, well, at least I have the boxes out of the garage. Well, only half of them. So I have a ways to go yet to get ready for Christmas. But, you know, it's, it's not getting ready for that day with all the things that we like to do that really is so important. We are in that season of Advent, which reminds us to look at our faith. It's anticipating the promises of God and believing them. So in our series of messages entitled Getting Ready for Christmas, our emphasis really is on getting ready for Christ. And today we want to see how that means going forward in faith. We're going to take a look at uh, three people, or one is a group of people, who were there at that first coming of Jesus and see how they went forward in faith. We're going to look at Mary and Joseph and the shepherds and see how they prepared themselves for Christ and it meant going in faith. Now, you've probably seen these commercials on TV where there's a family going about its normal activities and all of a sudden in comes dad or maybe mom who was a soldier off at war. And unexpectedly, they come home and the family is just overwhelmed with joy. And you can understand that. Even though they had him on their mind and they knew that someday he would be coming back, it was a total surprise when he walked in that day. One commercial ends with the phrase, this is where awesome happens. Well, as we look at these events with Mary and Joseph and the shepherds and then see how it applies to us, we too can say, this is where awesome happens. Well, let's start by looking at Mary and learning from her to believe that God can do the impossible. Hearing again our scripture reading for the morning. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. Now, I think maybe we would have a similar reaction. First of all, now, we don't know if she immediately identified this guy as an angel, because that certainly would be stunning. But 
she was taken aback by his words. What did you say? And if she were Lutheran, citing the catechism, she'd say, what does this mean? And the angel simply then directs her to the promises of God. The angel said, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. In answer to Mary's question of what kind of words are these, the angel was simply saying, listen. Listen to the promises of God. It starts with that first one. You have found favor with God. That was simply a way of saying, God's grace is on you. God loves you, and God is blessing you. And then he would go on and say, you're going to conceive and give birth to a son. Of course, she's thinking, but I'm not married, so how can that be? And he then says that this son is going to be the son of God. Son of God. That was the sign that God had given that a virgin would conceive and it would be God who has come to be with us. And this would be a descendant of David who would rule on that throne forever. Now, sometimes when we hear the promises of God, they kind of sound a little uh, extravagant, a little hard to believe, maybe even impossible. That's what the angel was getting her to look at. Believe that God can do the impossible. And then he points out to her what God has done. Look at the things that he has performed. He continues. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. The angel was referring to Elizabeth, Mary's cousin, the mother of John the Baptist. She now was pregnant. And that was a working of God, too, in the sense that she was beyond the age of conceiving. But God brought that about, that child. The angel is simply reminding Mary, God can do the impossible. Look at all the things he has done in your life, in the life of somebody you know. Look at what he has done in, in the history of his people, in the history of the world. God can do the impossible. And so he invites Mary then to just lean on his power to bring about his blessing. He says, the angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God, for no word from God will ever fail. Or in the older translation, for nothing is impossible with God. Yeah, 
Our God is almighty. He can do anything. Our God is all wise. He knows exactly what can be done, and he will do it according to his will and his plan. So just look at your life and see what God has been doing. Look at what he has been doing in the lives of others. Look at what he has done in this world and believe God can do the impossible. What are you facing in your future? As you look ahead, do you see needs that you have? Do you have some questions about how your life might turn out or how, how things might go? I saw this uh, picture on the internet the other day and it, it reminded me of an incident uh, with, with my, I think it was my oldest child. Um, he, he was an infant and I was holding him in one of those, you know, baby packs where you're carrying him in the front like that. And uh, we were at a park uh, for the 4th of July watching fireworks and we were kind of close to where they were going off. So it was very loud, you could feel them, and uh, very bright. And uh, I would just put my fingers out and, and he would just hold on to that finger. And I noticed that when, when the explosions would happen, he would squeeze my finger just a little bit tighter. <laughs> now you see, he didn't have to feel my strong muscles to know how strong dad was. He didn't have to reach into my wallet and pull out money to be okay. He's doing that now. <laughs> All he needed was just to, just to know that dad was there. And that's all we have to do, too, is just hold on to God. Listen to his promises, because he keeps them. Look at what he has done, and just lean on his power, because God can do the impossible. There's a a new inmate at the Solano State Prison that I've become acquainted with now. I haven't met him in person yet, but will soon. But I talked with him on the phone the other day. His name is Azariah. Now, that's a Bible name. And I know that that is not his given name. It's a name that he chose for himself. Because on the form that I have to fill out to visit him, he has a different name. I'm not even sure what it is. But he goes by Azariah. So I asked him, why do you have the name Azariah? And he said, well, pastor, you know that that's a name from the Old Testament. I said, yeah, I know that. It was uh, one of the uh, three guys who were with Daniel when they were taken as captive and, and held in Babylon and forced to go through all sorts of changes in their way of living. He, his name was Azariah, which meant the Lord is my help. And this inmate said, I picked that name because... The Lord is my help. He says, I need help. I needed a change in my life, and the Lord has brought that. And now I simply rely on him and his word. And with that name, I'm reminding that to me, and I'm letting others know also. You see, when, when you hold on to God, he's actually holding on to you. And he's bringing about change. Look at the change that it brought about in Mary. Look at her response now when she heard about the promises and the performance and the power of God. She says, I 
am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. She's ready to serve God. What are you facing in the future? Look and see how God may be preparing you by trusting that he can do the impossible and that he may use you in his plan. Go in faith. Something similar would happen to Joseph. He would have a change in his life too. And from looking at what was going on in his life, we learn to trust God's plans. Here's the situation with Joseph. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. Can you see what Joseph was thinking? Look, there's only one thing to do here. This woman has been unfaithful to me. And therefore, according to the law, I'm not going to marry her. I'm going to divorce her. That's the right thing to do. You know, sometimes when things don't go our way or don't appear to be in the right way, we want to make a change and get them back to the way we think it should be. But God may have a different plan. What we learn is that God's ways are not our ways. Listen to what God would bring about. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son. And you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Now all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. God's ways are not our ways. We know that we need to be right with God. And if it were left up to us to come up with a way to do it, we would probably say, well, I, I know I'm not good, but um, I can be good enough. So isn't good enough good enough? Let's change the standards. Or maybe we'd say, I'll just try harder. Or maybe what we would do is try to undo all the bad we've done and just do more good to kind of balance it out. But none of that will work. Because God says we must be perfect all of our life. And we know that in our sin nature, we fail at that. So even good enough is not good enough. But God's plan is so much better. God knows that there needs to be perfection among the human race in order to live with him in heaven. 
So he provides a substitute, someone who will be perfect. And his perfection will be given to us through faith. And God provides one who will suffer then the punishment for our sins so that you and I will not have to suffer them. That substitute would be his son. And that was God's plan, to bring his son into this world. You see, God's ways are not our ways of thinking. God's ways are the best and bring blessing. Well, Joseph accepts that. When he woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord commanded him. And he took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son. And he gave him the name Jesus. I'm sure what Joseph had to go through now still was difficult and hard to plan out. Now he would marry Mary and maybe have to deal with some of the questions and raised eyebrows, but she's pregnant. Then he would have to plan a trip down to Bethlehem to meet the demands, the requirements of the Roman government to be counted in a census. Now think of that. Here he is, his wife, pregnant. It's their first. And so you know maybe what it's like when you have the first. Everything is new. And then they are newlyweds. And he's got to make that long trip. How is he going to do that? Where is he going to stay? He gets to Bethlehem and there is no place to stay. And they end up going into an animal stall. Wasn't what he had planned, I'm sure. But he learned to trust him. Because you see, when you trust in the Lord with all your heart, he promises that he will direct your paths. Faith simply goes where God directs us. And it's always on his path of blessing. What's going on in your life? Are there some changes happening? Are there some things that are going on that maybe are a little hard to take? Can you see God's hand, though? Can you hear his call to you to follow his way, to come closer to Christ? Simply go in faith, trusting that his plan is always the best. Now, sometimes that means we have to do things that kind of unclear to us, that may be difficult or hard, and not sure that we would actually do it that way, not sure of what the outcome would be. Well, sometimes life doesn't make sense. But except for Christ, who works in all things for our good. And so, knowing that God knows the way we should take and that is for blessing, then let's simply go in faith. Trust his plan and go forward. And when you do, you too will experience a marvelous change in your life, just like the shepherds did. When their whole life was changed one night, when the angels appeared to them, 
resulted in their praise and their proclamation of God's salvation in Jesus. You know the story. How they're out keeping watch over their flocks at night and an angel of the Lord appears to them and announces that the Lord himself has been born as a child and is in a manger. The whole sky filled with angels, and here is their response. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Shepherd's response, you've got to praise God and proclaim him. And they did it first by going to see what the angels said had happened. Go and see. The Lord has come as a baby. Our Savior is a baby. And he's in a manger, an animal stall. Yeah, that's what the angels said. And so their response, let's go see. Now maybe you and I would say, well, you know, if the sky were all filled with angels and they told me to go see, I'd probably go do it. But the angels don't come like that. But you know what? God comes to us in his word. And his spirit comes to us. And he tells us, go. Go and see your Savior. Now, I was thinking of this the other day as I'm looking at my Christmas list and having to cross things off because I'm never going to have enough time to do all these things. I wondered if people maybe do that with Jesus. That there's so many things they want to do this Christmas, Jesus gets crossed off the list. Maybe people squeeze Christ out of Christmas instead of keeping him in. The shepherds didn't. You know the story. They, they, they leave their flocks. They head to Bethlehem. They made it a priority because they wanted to seize him. They wanted to hold him in their hearts. That was the most important thing. You know, sometimes as people are planning their Christmas church, worshiping Christ, gets pushed off the list. But this is his day. It's Christmas. Let's keep Christ front and center. And then as we do, filled with joy, we're going to want to share him. Just like when something exciting happens in your life and, and you just got to tell people or somehow you have to show that it happened, let that be evident in your life too. That Jesus has come for you. You've seen him. You've seized him. Now share him.
So what are your Christmas plans? Is Christ in them? Is Christ in your heart this Christmas? Know that you are in his plans and you are in his heart. So get ready for Christmas. Get ready for Christ. Go to him and go with him, with him in your heart, with faith in him and in everything you do. Amen.